0: Welcome back to Since Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Romans chapter 3. It reads, Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, even though everyone were a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you were judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I'm speaking in a human way. By no means. For then, how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come, as some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just? What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and the paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and that the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. This was to show that God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins, it was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just in the justifier of the one who is faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. As we jump here into chapter 3, Ursula's back with us. And I think, Ursula, a lot of us want to just jump straight down to verse 21. The button now, the big focus that's here is we want to see this pinnacle point in the chapter. But we have to remember, Paul has an ongoing thought. He has this big purpose that he's writing for. We can't skip the first 20 verses. We've got to build to that We've got to build to that. We've got to follow his train of thought. We've got to see what he's trying to do so that we can understand the totality of the argument and then truly the miraculous intervention that God takes place as we see it explained here in chapter three. So, Ursula, let's walk through that today.
1: All right. Thanks so much. And it's great to be back. Yeah, so let's talk about that, continuing Paul's thought. And you have to remember his audience. It's the Roman church. They're made up of Jews and Greeks. And what he's doing right now is he's really reasoning with his audience. That's how he's starting chapter three and talking to them is there an advantage for even being a Jew? And he said, Yeah, there is an advantage because you were given the scriptures first. You have. An opportunity to come to Christ through the scriptures, and he's really showing them that. But he's also here really taking an argument um, that they might have of, okay, if I'm a sinner and God can use, and we'll get into this more in chapter eight, but really, even my sin for his glory, right? Because as sin abounds, grace abounds, and really, it's just going to show how great God is. um, Then, hey, I can keep sinning, and that'll just make God look all the better because he's so forgiving and wonderful. And Paul is condemning that argument. Right? And he says in verse 8, and why not do evil that good may come? That's what he's talking about there, as some people slanderously charge us with saying their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, right? We're all under sin. We all deserve the wrath of God. Nobody is righteous, not one. And he set that principle up first start in this chapter.
0: So Paul has really set this up to say hey, everybody's in the same boat. The world, the church, everybody in between, wherever you're at in this spectrum, here is where your standing is in need of something something that he's going to explain to us now.
1: And that's when we get to verse 21, the best verse, because it says, y'all deserve the wrath of God, but verse 21, but now, right? The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. It doesn't have anything to do with the law. And it also says there, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And what is he saying there? He's saying, now the righteousness of God has been manifested. And that tense there is really, it was a, it's a perfect tense. It was, it was done once, but it's a continuous action that will continue to be manifested in our lives. And he's also saying in that verse that this was prophesied through the law and the prophets. It was told to you. You've been told this information from the beginning.
0: And that's really important for us to note, because as we think about this, a lot of people would say, well, hey, if there's just this marginal advantage for the Jewish people, why do we even have these things? He's not saying that. He's saying, no, this was very important. The Old Testament is there for instruction. It was there for preparation. It was there to provide a path for those faithful people who are wanting to follow God. And we can look back on that and we can see his plan and how he was working through their midst. But he says, hey, it's this righteousness that has now been revealed by God that is the pinnacle transformation for these people that will bring about that heart change that we've talked about that's necessary. And this really is apart from the law. It's not this good thing that we're doing that is doing this, but it's something else that he's pointing us to that's going to provide for that transformation.
1: Yeah, I want to pause there. Verse 21 talks about how it doesn't come, how it, it's apart from the law. And, and let's talk about the law a little bit. Again, it's back to the principle of law. And have you ever had a chart where you got a gold sticker for doing something good? And a lot of us think that we have a chart up in heaven and God's putting gold stickers on the chart. God's like, Oh, You read your Bible today. That's a gold sticker for you. Oh, you cleaned your room. Ah, there's a gold sticker for you. Oh, you gave offering two gold stickers for you. And that's really what he's talking about here. Um, It's apart from the law. It's apart from, we're not talking the law is in the Ten Commandments, just. It's the principle of law and keeping rules, right? So the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from that. It's again, it's that grace. But then he goes in the righteousness of God in verse 22. It's through faith in Jesus Christ for all who what they believe. And there is a distinction here between how it doesn't come and then how it does come. Right there is that dividing line. And the distinction is it's going to be through faith, not by the law, and your works. And it's in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Well, what do I have to believe? That he exists? No. The demons believe and they shudder, right? It's not that. I mean, history shows out he was a real man. He did real things. He was a real person. But what we have to believe in are what are his promises, is what he said true, is His blood enough? And I think what a lot of us do, and I'm guilty of this and have been, is that we look at God's grace plus our works. And we look, okay, if I can just be good enough up to 75%, then I'm going to get that 25% of God's grace, and that'll help me cross the finish line, and I can get there. And when I get to heaven, I'm good. No. No. That is absolutely not what Paul is talking about here. That is not faith in Christ. It is apart from anything I do, anything I'm capable of doing. Does the blood of Jesus, is it enough to cover my sin? Is it, like he says in verse 25, the propitiation
0: Ursula, I want to pause here and really focus in on not just that word propitiation, but I think there's two other words here in this chapter that we really need to understand. They're kind of all focused on the same thing, but we see justification or justified in verse 24, as well as redemption, and then here propitiation. Three words we don't really use a lot, so help us to understand in Paul's words what he's trying to tell us with these three power words here in this passage.
1: Yeah, so justification. You have to picture we're in a court of law, and we've been found guilty by the first three chapters of the book of Romans. We have been found guilty. We are not perfect. We cannot meet God's standard. And now we are in a court of law, and the gavel has come down, and it says you're guilty. But what God says is that the righteousness of God through faith, when we believe, when we believe it to be true, what God says, and that we trust, that's how it's going to be manifested, Right? is that we actually trust God in what he says is true. We are now, the gavel comes down and says, oh, justified. You are now considered righteous before the Lord because you trust in the saving grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we move on to that word propitiation. It says in verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation. Propitiation, that's a big word. It's not really commonly used, and there are some nuances in that. But really what it is, is it's this thing. A propitiation is something that turns away the wrath of God. What's now the thing that turns away the wrath that I so deeply deserve? Well, it says here, by his blood, in the rest of verse 25, right? It's by his blood to be received by what? Faith, going right back to faith. And why? Why would God do this thing about putting his gavel down and now no longer saying I'm guilty, but now saying, okay, you're justified, you're free, You're free from the penalty, you're free from my wrath, and the thing that turned that away is the blood of Christ. Was that enough? It's not going to be your gold star chart plus Jesus. It's not going to be your gold star chart at all. It's going to be just Jesus and the shed blood, the perfect life that he led to take on our sin, and because of that, we are then pronounced redeemed.
0: And that redeeming that you're talking about there, that's the redemption that we see back in verse 24. That redemption is in Christ. You know, I just took Rory to Chuck E. Cheese the other day. That redemption is a picture that takes place there. We take all those tokens, they turn into tickets. We take those tickets and we redeem them for something. We buy it back with the value that's there for whatever it is we're trying to seek. And so the redemption of our souls comes through what Christ Jesus has done. For us, the justification is by Christ. The redemption is through Christ. The propitiation is through his blood. And that's why, as he wraps up this chapter, he says, Hey, you can't boast about this. It's not you, it's not your gold stars. It's not this claim that you've made to be a specific type of religion that's going to give you entrance into heaven. It's solely the work of Christ and your faith placed upon that, that is going to give you the right standing that you have. And so as we continue to walk through this, we've answered some questions about some of these terms here. There's a lot here in this passage that we can't go into just because, remember, we have a short period of time that we're looking at. But we challenge you each time to look into the other places that you are struggling with. What is it that you need more clarification on? How is it that you can grow in your understanding? understanding of the scripture, you do that by diving into those questions, by researching them, by using tools, by using conversations with other believers to help sharpen you in your understanding of what God's revealing to you so that you can rightly respond to the way in which he has revealed himself to you in obedience as you live your life for his glory. Know today you were loved.
1: You're-